This is Mackenzie Milton. This is Steve Levy from ESPN. And you're listening to One Night Stand. And you're listening to One Night Stand. This is One Night Stand. What up, night fans? It's Saturday, February 22nd. On today's show, we're going to talk about the big spring game announcement. More importantly, we got a whole other garage sale. Also, we're going to talk basketball. Huge road win for the Knights a couple nights ago versus Cincinnati, who is emerging as one of our newer rivals. Also, the football schedule for 2020 has been released. We're going to break it all down for you, let you know about the away games we think are best to go to. Also, maybe a little party in Atlanta for the Georgia Tech game. Also, we talk about the dunk contest, little Taco Fall cameo appearance. XFL, some NFL rule changes, predictions for the NFL Combine, even a little Daytona 500, and much more. Also, a great interview with former UCF basketball player Tristan Spurlock. Really, really awesome insight from him. And I'm here with... Money Moo. The UCF football 2020 spring game has been announced April 4th at 2.30 p.m part of a fun-filled day of UCF sporting events, as we'll also have a men's soccer game on that Saturday and a men's baseball game against Wichita State. But I want to start off with talking about what everyone else is talking about, and that's the announcement of the second-ever UCF garage sale. What do you think, man? We really racked up uh, – <laughs> A nice load in the last yard sale. So, so um, what are you most excited about? So, for one, I just spent like 500 bucks on a Citronaut basketball jersey, which I'm not mad about, but that's money I could have spent on a lot of other things at the garage sale. But I'm just happy that fans are going to get another chance to get a bunch of cool jerseys and stuff like that to wear to the game. Some swag and everything, because a lot of people didn't even know about the last one or didn't really realize what an opportunity it was to get some game warm, you know, jerseys and stuff from all different sports. So a lot of people are getting a second chance at this. And I think it's awesome. People have been begging for another one for years. And I think they finally compiled enough stuff to do it. Um, what are you most excited for? I just love the fact that they're doing it again. I know a lot of people have been complaining or really just asking for another one because they might have missed out on the first one or didn't get as much stuff as they wanted. I know me and you are huge collectors of, you know, one one of a kind items or not, you know, stuff, game use stuff, stuff you can't just buy at at the store. And um I hope whoever bought that hockey jersey that I was bidding on on eBay is listening to this <laughs> now because they outbid me with like two seconds left. And I would have paid like even twenty dollars more than my highest bid, but I was using my work computer and it's slow, but anyway, I was uh, so mad. I didn't. It was a really nice hockey jersey. I'd probably never wear it, but I wanted it. <laughs> yeah, no, and I missed out. As someone that has spent way too much money on very unique, one of a kind stuff on eBay, I can totally understand your feeling of not getting that hockey jersey you wanted. I actually just got a baseball jersey from like the early '80s the other day, way, way older than any of my current jerseys. And I'm I'm very excited to bring that out during the season. But, you know, half the reason that we get so excited about this garage sale is because it's very hard to find cool UCF stuff. We didn't even sell replica basketball jerseys until this season. 
So our only chance ever at wearing a jersey was finding one that happened to be game used that popped up on eBay from like a former player, or it was to get one at this garage sale, which a lot of people missed out on. Luckily, I got one for you. I got one for me, the black pinstripe. Actually, the jersey I got was Tristan Spurlock, who we'll be talking to later on the show, which is pretty cool. But yeah, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't even have a basketball jersey to wear. Um, so it's definitely cool to have, you know, all the fans have a chance to wear, uh, you know, some of the cool stuff that our players have gotten to wear over the years. And uh, definitely very excited for it. All right. So that looks to be starting at I think 8 a.m. for the UCF shareholders, which is a large donation that I don't have the funds to do right now. But one day, one day we'll be shareholders. Shareholders then, society, uh, yeah. Nine o'clock, I guess they're going to let all the season ticket holders and donors and then general public from 10 to 11.30. Yep, so definitely looking forward to that. Also, I'm kind of glad the spring game's a little earlier this year. Hopefully, it'll be somewhat a little bit cooler. It's April 4th, normally it's like around April 15th or middle of April. Um, yeah. yeah, I was dying last year. So, actually, you know what? This leads me to my next point here. If we're having a garage sale... Do you think we're getting rid of possibly because the majority of the items at the garage sale were football jerseys because we had numbers one through ninety nine of every color jersey. Well, that's three hundred jerseys right there, plus a bunch of other older ones and a bunch of helmets and stuff. Do you think we're getting rid of maybe some older jerseys, maybe replacing them with newer, updated ones or the same look? Because it's been this will be year five on the whole UCF kind of modernized rebrand that happened when Frost took over as head coach and George left and we got these new cool jerseys that we were finally excited about. Do you think it's time to switch to a new look or maybe tinker with the old one just a little bit or just leave it the same? I think, you know, the the way that this release came out of, yeah, they're going to have a garage sale would lead me to believe that they are going to do some sort of uniform change. It might not be drastic or, you know, changing up any of the colors, I don't know, Canaveral, more Canaveral blue. <laughs> um, but yeah, sure. I mean, we're sponsored by Nike and Oregon freaking changes their uniforms like every single game. Like, I feel the need to change. Not that I didn't like it before, but, you know, UCF has always been about the next best thing, the newest thing. You know, we're always growing, we're changing as the times change and, and improving more importantly, always getting right. better. Um, I'll be down. Yeah. If it means another garage sale, I'm down. <laughs> so, I mean, it could be one of two things. One, you know, the jerseys, the, you know, the original jerseys we started wearing in, you know, 2016 frost first season might be just worn and we're just getting new ones of the same kind or two, maybe they're tinkering with the look a little bit. I have faith in our marketing team, our athletics department, obviously Danny White overseeing everything, that whatever they decide to do, whether it's keep it the same, make some minor tweaks, or whatever, scrap the whole thing and start from scratch, I know it's going to be awesome because they have not let us down so far. The one caveat to that I would say is those jerseys that we wore on Black Friday, the black with the khaki numbers and the white collar and and sleeve band things. Those are the one jerseys I didn't like with the little Pegasus logo. But besides that, everything's a good. Oh, actually, one other thing. The UConn game in 16 where we wore pewter jerseys with black pants or whatever and, like, gold helmets. 
it, <laughs> it's uglier That's than you no. can even imagine. You can't wear the computer <laughs> with black top and bottom. But no, you know, whatever they decide to do is going to be great. Definitely excited about that. So that brings up another debate, actually, that's happened over the last couple weeks. So I posted a poll on Twitter just to gauge interest. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't even feel like going through all of the stuff that would have to happen to make this happen. But people were talking that maybe, or just how about how about I phrase it this way? Would you be open to changing the mascot to Citronaut? It's a healthy debate and it's fun. And what I said is, I'm not going to advocate for it, but if we did it, I'd be 100% on board because I don't think it would be that difficult to pull off or at least as difficult as people are making it sound to change the mascot. It's not like we're rebranding the school name or the logo on our helmets from UCF, but I think it would be cool to be a Citronaut, something unique that you could do a lot of different things with. What are your thoughts? I'm going to go against you for once. I really... I'm not against the Citronaut, however, I think it's just a cool, like, one-off, like, hey, this is an old-school throwback, maybe we do something with it, you know, once a year, kind of like the space thing, and that's pretty much it. I'm, I'm not really looking into it much more than that. Yeah. We're the Knights, you know, we just changed the name from Golden Knights to Knights not too long ago. 13 years. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I'm not for it, but I love the Citronaut. Yeah. I, I just I don't feel the need to be changing the mascot. It's just I'm going to disagree with you. I think it's too much. There's a lot of branding. I, I feel like our brand isn't the knight. Our brand is the stacked logo. Exactly. So know, we could change everything. So one, we could change the mascot because the UCF brand remains the same. And two, think of how much awesome PR we would get. By changing our mascot in the middle of the football offseason, everyone's like, oh, the Citronauts, and people are going to talk mad crap about it, but they're going to be talking about us in the middle of, you know, April or May or something like that if we did change it. And again, I said, I'm not going to advocate for it, but if we did it, I wouldn't be mad. But, you know, the first thing you said was that you do like the Citronaut just once in a while, and I think I'm getting like the kind of grass is always greener syndrome on this whole topic. It's kind of like, if you've had the same boring girlfriend for a while and then a hot girl walks by and you're like, ooh, she might be nice for a second. And then you get her and you're like, oh, crap. You know, the old original whatever girlfriend was probably better. And I think, you know, the grass is always greener. We pull out, <laughs> we pull out these Citronaut jerseys once a year and everyone goes crazy to buy them on auction and stuff. But if they were a regular one, we would just go as crazy when we pulled out the Knights. And I think you're right. And it would just honestly, it sounds like a major headache and pain in the butt for everyone involved with like having to change everything all over our campus all of our jerseys and stuff like that but you know what i know if we did it we would do it right and it would be fun and that's why i said if somehow we decided to change i know it would end up being awesome and that's why i would go for it but i'm not going to advocate for it uh but it was a really fun debate to have online and a lot of people had a lot of good opinions all right next up our 2020 football schedule has been officially released we knew the teams we were going to play, but we didn't know the order. That can always affect people's travel plans. Moo, do you want to just read it off and we can talk about it game by game? So the 2020 football schedule was released earlier this week. Not a lot of huge surprises. It was a surprise to me as I was telling everyone in the offseason that my one of my two away game trips was going to be the FIU game. Turns out it was actually at home. 
Hey. So, <laughs> little surprise for me. I think but, we're I uh, think we're away next year. Okay. Well, whatever. <laughs> um, first takes are Georgia Tech was always going to be my away game trip ever since it was announced. I think it was announced like almost two years ago. Yep. Two or three years ago. I know you're working on a lot of cool stuff, pregame party, maybe a postgame party. Yeah, so we've but, got um, we've got the Friday night we're gonna do one night stand official kickoff party at Big Sky, working on getting a, a pretty big name now, UCF DJ there. But if anyone went to my Peach Bowl kickoff party, you know how oh, awesome yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, Big Sky. Big we Sky, yeah, you were there, dude. It yeah. was awesome. They're doing the same exact deal this time. I have a bunch of bar tabs and stuff to give away as it gets closer, so look forward to that. I just want to go down to the end of the year and look at the basically four home games in a row. We got FAMU, Temple, and they're all, no bye weeks, though. And they're all back to back to back to back. So FAMU, Temple, Cincinnati, and then at USF, our second home to end the year. And then possibly conference championship, you know, the week after that. So it could be potentially five games in Florida in five weeks. Five in a row. And after we get back, after we get back from Houston, we won't have to leave the state of Florida, which is awesome. Now, one thing you did mention was no bye week, but. FAMU, although they're one of the better FCS teams, is going to be like a bye week. So really, coming back from Houston, that Halloween game that I know a lot of people are planning on going to, we kind of have a rest-ish week playing FAMU that next week, and then two tough home games versus Temple, Cincy, and then obviously the de facto home game, our home away from home at Raymond James Stadium versus USF Rivalry Week Black Friday. The main thing that stood out to me, besides obviously possibly getting five straight games in the state of Florida, is we have that Saturday away game up in Atlanta at Georgia Tech, Saturday the 19th of September, and then we have a short turnaround to Thursday at ECU in East Carolina, and I don't know how much travel and stuff affects it because it's only like a two-hour flight, but maybe... We would just stay up there in Atlanta and just go to ECU to save the travel time. I don't know, but that is going to be a very, very short week, not just playing a Thursday game right away, but going from an away game to a Thursday game. Uh, we're pretty much only going to have two real days of practice, so that could be interesting. Um, and ECU you know, showed some potential last year, too. So a couple other things, like I said before. Halloween night at Houston. That should be fun. I know a lot of people are planning on going to that. And then we play another Friday game at Memphis. That is going to be a great game. And if you haven't been to Memphis already, I highly recommend checking it out. That was a very, very fun city to visit. I actually like went up there by myself for most of the trip, wandered around, and I had a great time. And um, the barbecue is great. The people are very, very nice. Some areas not so nice, but you see that anywhere. And Everywhere I was, people were very, very hospitable, so um, definitely a good one to check out. But yeah, pretty much since we play at USF this year and have seven real games at home, it's like we have eight home games. I can't wait, man. And you know what? This summer's going to go by so fast. Next thing we know, we're going to be doing our season preview in the middle of August and talking about that big kickoff game versus UNC on Friday night, which I know we talked about this before you think has the markup or potential to be a top 25 game. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. 
especially a couple of the like way too early top 25s have come out from like SI and ESPN. They have us both in the top 20. I think the promise that both freshman quarterbacks from each team displayed last year really brought a lot of momentum into this year. We both had big blowout wins in a bowl game. You know, Mac Brown, even though he's like a super old coach, I feel like he's got an up and coming team, you know, just like us. I don't know. I mean, it's it's definitely a good story. They put it on a Friday night, you know, opening weekend for a reason. And this one I'm definitely not gonna miss. Because with my work schedule, I normally am not able to go to like the Thursday or Friday home games, but I've already told my boss, like, look, this is it. I'm not missing this one. So I'll definitely be there. I agree about, you know, UNC, although Mac Brown is an older coach, they're definitely on the up and up. I mean, his first season, he turned that program around seven and six bowl game and they blew out. Was it SMU in that bowl game? Temple. 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 Yeah. I mean, and I thought that game was going to be close and it was like, whoa, like that kind of was like a reality check for our entire conference because they were decent throughout the year. And like you said, great freshman quarterback versus our great freshman quarterback. Definitely going to be a game to watch, even if you're not a fan of either school. I think a lot of people will be tuning in. First game to kick off the season. It's going to be electric in the bounce house on that Friday night, and I cannot wait. All right, so let's move on to basketball a little bit. Um... Why don't you talk Ooh. about our team overall, and then we can talk about the Cincinnati game that was absolutely insane. One of the best UCF basketball games I've ever watched. This, you know, was kind of, was supposed to be a rebuilding year for basketball. I know they always show the stat that uh, UCF, Johnny Dawkins, we lost like 88% of our scoring from last year. Which so. was third worst in the country, I just saw. Right. Or third most or whatever. Third most, I would say, because, I mean, it's not really his fault that he lost, right. you know, people early for the NBA and graduating seniors, but it happens. I mean, the year that we had last year, could anybody have dreamed that we had that kind of year in the preseason? No, absolutely not. So I knew it would be good, but uh, last year is going to be hard to top, man. And it's just like 2017. I feel like we've hit the highest of highs, you know, both with football and basketball. And now, like, that's the standard. We're going to be chasing those highs. I don't know how long it's going to take, but these kinds of seasons really make you appreciate, like, in basketball what happened last year and in football what happened in 2017. I couldn't have said it better myself. And, you know, one of my things all season I've been saying is, like, you know, can Dawkins recruit because we haven't really had anyone step up. And uh, I think last night we had a bunch of guys out. Um, DeJesus only played eight minutes. Ingram was out. Fuller's injured. So we had a bunch of freshmen step it up. Green and Johnson stepped it up. Tony Johnson had like his coming out party. It was awesome. I mean, that game, it went to double overtime. I don't really, I can't remember everything that happened, but at one point we were up three and since he was inbounding, Johnny Dawkins decides to foul intentionally because if you foul him, they get two free throws, but even if they make those, they're still down one. There's not that much time left. And he makes one of them. We end up with the ball and there's two guys trapping the UCF player 
and he's swinging the ball around, and then it looks like we elbow the shit out of this guy and just knock him over. Well, they show the replay. As the refs are trying to see if it's a technical or not, the guy's elbow was like six inches away from the Cincinnati defender's face. But regardless, it was a turnover. Cincinnati got the ball. They went for like the game-tying shot. They didn't get it. It was crazy. Then we got it back. We're up one. We missed the first free throw, made the second one. So we're up two. Cumberland comes, shoots a half-court shot as the time expires, makes it, and I'm like, no! Cincinnati would have won by one, but upon further review, he released the ball about a half-second slow. UCF won, and man, it was an awesome game. And it was just like I said earlier, very cool to see our freshman guys stepping it up. You know, Colin Smith fouled out. We had a couple guys sitting out and, uh, you know, some other guys stepped up, some Dawkins recruits, and I'm like, okay, maybe Dawkins has recruited some guys. So um, it's been an up-and-down season so far. Some games we look like crap. Some games we look great. But I guess that's to be expected when you lost four of your five starters and, you know, 85% of your points. Honestly, this conference, anyone can beat anyone. But anyone could also lose anyone. It's wide open. And, hey, if we get hot during the conference tournament, we could, you know, backdoor our way into a uh, tournament bid. What do you think? I think you're absolutely right. And I go back just like any other fan. I go back and forth with, you know, loving the team, super hyped up, and then saying, oh, no, you know, then we lose to, God, I don't even know who we lost to. Wichita, USF. Memphis, Wichita, Cincy, SMU, Houston, Temple. I mean, they're not really that bad losses, battle losses, but I, there's a lot of parity in our in our conference as well. I would That's say. That's true. I'll say that. Yeah. All right, I mean, ahead. we're f- five and eight in conference play. You know, we knew this would be a rebuilding year, and I was really hoping that one of these role players. Um, in my opinion, I I just think that. Everyone on the team is kind of just a role player, and we really needed somebody to step up and become a star, but I don't think we've really found that star yet. You know, like last year, we were so lucky to have BJ, you know, be that guy, you know, the go-to guy. Like right now, if we were down two and I had like five seconds left, I don't know who i would give the ball to it's different every, every game is different almost that's what i'm saying we, we we are way deeper of a team than we used to be i feel like the last four or five years we've had like one bench guy yeah and that was it and like all the starters played all 40 minutes and now we have so many good guys talented guys but there isn't that star that stepped up is the go-to guy. I'm not saying that any of these can't be. There's definitely some young potential. You know, Darren Green, Tony Johnson, these are guys that have definitely showed potential. And as freshmen, you know, playing in the AAC, most of the time they're not going to go, you know, early to the NBA draft. When, like, uh, Kentucky or a Duke, you know, they lose their whole team, like, every single year. Right. It's just all new freshmen. So I think it's a good building block. I know you always say Dawkins can't recruit, but I did notice uh, coming across a wire, he did does have a couple of 2020 recruits that already are committed, and they're both ranked eight in the 80s, which right. I looked Whoa. in the past like 
three or four years. Yeah, this is new Sierra. No, that's big time. <laughs> I looked in like the past three or four years, and we haven't had a single one. And they're basically like all transfers. So yeah, no, that's good. I don't know. Maybe it's like a it's like a love hate. It's up and down. Is the jury still out on Dawkins? I don't know. I don't know. For man. you, for you, it's like every day. <laughs> he yeah. wins one game. Dawkins is back. Then one day he can't recruit. Then the next day you want to fire him. I don't know. The next day you love him. Here's the thing: I always say I would say that like I could go up against anyone in a debate about anything football related. Basketball, I'm I'm not as well versed in. So I, you know, I see stuff and I form my opinions. And what I was seeing is that Dawkins has had like one recruit in his first four years. There's my opinion. He can't recruit. Now all of a sudden we've got a bunch of guys he recruited stepping up. When the older guys can't play, and I'm like, oh, maybe he can recruit. You know, it's kind of like a caveman's type opinion, but I just, I don't know as much, so I'm going to call it as I see it. And I say those things because a lot of the time when I do, people that know more than me correct me, and then I learn more. So I'm open-minded, um, and I might not always be right, but that's what makes this all this fun. So anyway. So going back, the two 2020 recruits are Isaiah Adams, a four-star out of Jacksonville, and Jameel Reynolds, also a four-star out of St. Petersburg. Boom. Let's go. So, yeah, basketball definitely looking up. I mean, I think we've got a really good nucleus of younger guys. And if you remember, led our team last year like BJ. I mean, they didn't do that much when they were younger. It takes time to, to get used to the speed of play and everything at the college level. And I think we've really got something good started. Uh, I'll probably change my opinion next week when we lose to you know, <laughs> too, some, lame. <laughs> too lame or someone crappy, but that's my opinion right now. So, uh, definitely, you know, at least for now, that, game, that are, game was awesome. So that's all I gotta say. Those are actually our first four star recruits in five years. The last one being taco fall. Oh, so wait, Dawkins has not recruited a four star in his first four years. And people are telling me that I'm wrong for saying he can't recruit. I'm just saying, I, I'm just looking I mean, at the facts. Possible. I'm just looking at the facts. He's had four years and couldn't get a four-star. Don't be mad at me for saying you can't recruit. Be mad at him for not recruiting anyone. But whatever, it is what it is. But in basketball, the st- I feel like the star rating matters a little more in basketball than it does in football. Because in football, I feel like we argue, oh, well, the guys, you know, Milton was a two-star or whatever, and the stars don't matter. And then in basketball, it's like, well, they, they kind of do. Basketball is different because uh, basketball is basketball. I mean, like you go up against better opponents. But, very valid point but, right there. But look at the players that have you knew in high school that they were going to be pros, like the Kobe's and LeBron's and all them like that. We Everyone knew they were going to be good. And uh, football, a lot of those guys, they peaked at 18. And in basketball, you, you don't seem to see that as much. There's been some bust, but I think the bust frequency is way lower for blue chip prospects for basketball than it is for football. I mean, that's just a fact. So One last thing, like going back to the Cincy game, just looking at the box score, free throw percentage, this is a huge hot button with me. Because I feel like in the last, I don't know, however long, since 07 when I started going to UCF, I feel like no team at UCF has ever been a good free throw shooting team. Like right now we're the 216th, best team in college at free throw percentage. So what what is like 68% like 
was that like that's the just... 50th worst? Like it, when it when you're let like oh, no, there's 300. I think there's like 340 oh. teams or something. But still, it's yeah. like we're a top 25 program. This is absolutely unacceptable, especially a free throw. Just practice flash. them. Just shoot it's them. Free. Free. It's free. Yeah. <laughs> and I guarantee you, if we just upped our free throw percentage by like five percentage points, that would have accounted for two more wins. Oh, easy. I guarantee you we would have beat ten that we lost by one. And we probably would have beat Miami too. Yeah, probably. And I'm really mad that I forgot to ask Tristan Spurlock, who we're gonna get to that interview next. I really wanted to ask him, are free throws a coach related thing or like if someone's good or bad at free throws, can that just not be changed no matter who the coach is or what? If I'm a basketball coach, my team sucks at free throws. I feel like I saw this in like a bunch of movies. You can't leave the gym until you make like 10 in a row, right? And I mean, that's not going to make you worse at them, right? I, I don't know. Please, someone, right. if you're listening and know about this, please tweet us and tell us how these things work. I know it's different in a game because they have the signs and the distractions and stuff. And that kind of comes down to, you know... I guess, do you have uh, the clutch gene or whatever, which is a whole nother subject. But I feel like in general, if your team sucks at free throws, make them practice free throws and they'll get a little bit better, hopefully. Um, but again, like I said, I, I don't really know that much about it. Um, okay, so that's a perfect segue right here. Let's go to our interview with Tristan Spurlock. We talked about how he, he was actually Tony Bennett's first recruit. Tony Bennett is the head coach of Virginia, which is where Tristan is from. He was his first recruit. He uh, recruited under another coach, decommitted when that coach was fired, and then was the first commit under Tony Bennett. Didn't really fit his system. We talk about that. Decided to transfer to UCF, why he came here, his time here, uh, Marcus Jordan, and then all about playing basketball over in Europe and now in Mexico. So, a really, really cool interview. Uh, let's get to that. All right, guys. I'm here with former UCF basketball player Tristan Spurlock calling in from Mexico. What's going on, man? What's up? What's up? What's up? Thanks for coming on the show. Um, all right. So, we got a lot of stuff I want to talk about. But the first thing I want to do is go back and kind of talk about how you ended up at UCF. Um, so, you grew up in Virginia and played there for one year right i was born in washington dc grew up in virginia i went to high school um, in maryland and virginia all over the place so um yeah you know that whole area the dmv area for sure I, I saw your freshman year was uh that was tony bennett's first year right as coach yes Did he recruit yes. you so i committed um my last three schools were maryland uva and um Georgetown. I wanted to stay home. Like I had a lot of offers to go into to a lot of other schools, but I was such a home kid. I wanted to like, you know, really stay home and be around, you know, my family. So I turned a lot of offers down um, from big schools. It was funny because uh, Donnie Jones in Florida, they came with an offer. Um, that's when I, you know, I first talked to Coach Jones was when he was at Florida and I turned them down because, you know, I was so bent on staying home. So that, that was like our first little interaction. And then um, I turned down like, uh, this is before Kentucky had Calipari, but Kentucky, um, KD was, um, had just left Texas a couple of years and I went to high school with KD. So I turned down Texas, um, a lot of other schools. I just wanted to, you know, focus on staying home and I committed under a different coach at UVA. Um, oh, I got you. He got, he got fired midway through the year. 
So I opened up my my recruitment as a senior. And, um, you know, when Coach Bennett got the job the next day, he got the job on like a Monday. He came to my house on like a Tuesday. Um, and that rest, you know, he, he brought in a good plan, talked to my parents. And I think I committed like that next weekend. Decided so I committed not, twice. Right, right. Gotcha. Because you can change that, I guess, once, uh, you know, with the coaching change and everything kind of up in the air, right? Uh, not really. I saw my LOI, oh. <laughs> so I had to meet with them. I had to, um, like, you know, go to the school, meet with the president. I didn't do a lot to get out of it. But once I got out of it, it was kind of like maybe like a week later, I committed right again, committed right back. <laughs> so <laughs> it was cool. You know, I went down there. I knew everybody. I got friends um, on the basketball. I had friends on the team since I was like, you know, a sophomore in high school. So as a senior, I knew a lot of those guys. And uh, it's kind of crazy because this year I actually got to, I'm actually played with one of um, my UVA teammates this year, this season. So it was kind of cool. Oh, that that's really cool when stuff comes kind of full circle like that. Yeah, man, it's crazy because he was like my vet. I was a freshman; he was a senior. So this year it was kind of like he was my vet all over again. So it was it was fun. It was a lot of fun. That's awesome. But yeah, UVA, Tony Bennett, Tony Bennett, um, who's still there now. You know, I was I was officially his first recruit. Wow, oh, that's awesome. So did you know he was gonna be as good of a coach he was, or could you see that at the time? To be honest, um, I think that I knew he was gonna be a great guy. You know, uh -huh. like um, his system and how it fit in the ACC was so vastly different at the time. It was either going to work great or be terrible. Right. You know, and uh, we had some success that year. We 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 um we we had some real success. You know, we lost. Um, he was trying to you know shift the culture a little bit. Um, I don't think I necessarily fit his style of basketball. Uh, you know, with the you know scoring forty points a game. That's yeah. how he wants to win. Uh, that really wasn't me. I was in practice trying to get up and down. I wanted to score. I wanted to play fast, you know, so. Uh, no, yeah, so I, I totally understand. So I guess that kind of leads me to my next question there. Is that part of the reason you decided to transfer, I guess? Yeah, I mean, Tony was a great guy, you know, from off the basketball court. You know, I have nothing nothing negative to say about him. He was great. It was just a style of play. You know, I still love um, – I still, like I said, I still have friends from um, UVA who I love to death, like my best friends in the world. I still talk to a lot of those guys. Me and um, Mike Scott, for instance, we talk every single day or almost every day. You know, right. nah, he plays for the Sixers. We talk all the time. That's my guy. Um, you know, I just played with one of my teammates from UVA this season. So, um, you know, leaving there was a great experience. It, it said a lot for me. Um, they run, they ran things a lot different than UCF. It was a lot more structured, a lot more, um, a lot more like old school, a little bit, a lot more like you know, right. we we're gonna do this, 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 this. You know, a lot less, you know, being yourself. It was more about being UVA. Right, and I understand that, but uh, yeah, no. Cool. Every coach, you know, every coach has a thing, you know, and, and that was his thing. He was way more strict. It was way more. Um, I'm trying to say, like, it, it just was a lot different, you know. And then when I got to UCF, I took my visit. I mean, just from landing and seeing palm trees, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's it was, crazy, right? You uh, know, it is a it's a pool in the middle of campus, and it's a beach volleyball, and 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 everybody was stores. And you know, the year before, I was a yeah, it was a snowstorm. I was stuck in my uh, my dorm room for like four days eating cookies and crackers. <laughs> so like it was, it was a big difference. It was a huge difference. Yeah, I mean the the campus kind of sells itself. I mean that that was kind of for me how I ended up at UCF. It's just like this place is like a resort, man. How could I not want to go here? And I'm from Florida too, so. Oh, see, I'm from you know being from DC, like it's right. cold. Right? You got to go in the car and sit and warm it up for twenty minutes. <laughs> You know, and I'm in, in traffic is an hour and a half anywhere you go. Like, so when I came down to Orlando, I, I didn't even have a license when I came to Orlando because I'm used to taking a, I was used to taking a bus and, you know, the train or whatever. And 
and the metro system. So when I came to Orlando, I was like, I need a car. I need to learn how to drive. I got to do so much because <laughs> it's so big. It's so spacious. I, right. took a, I took a bus to uh, what mall was that? I took a bus to like Mall Millennia. It took me like an hour and a half. I said, never again. I'm like, I'm never doing this again. Yeah, it's definitely a hole like going anywhere in Orlando outside of like the east area where uh, campus is and like going to the grocery store and all that that little bubble there it's almost like we're in another city that's not part of orlando man ucf is like its own little world yeah. like you live yeah. in a whole different community and i keep oh, getting better which is great it's actually crazy it's getting better that's wild to me. I, I know i mean just every time i go back and visit there's like a new building or something like that or just something else that, that they're popping up and uh they got that lazy river thing coming in soon which man one... that's wild <laughs> It's that's gonna be awesome for recruiting and uh, for the athletes to get to relax and stuff. Um, okay. they'll, they'll be alright. They don't need no lazy river. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's wild. Whatever, man. It definitely gets us national attention for stuff like that, though, which is great. Oh, for sure. Like free for advertising. Sure, for sure. Um, oh yeah, I'll take it. So let's talk about your time at UCF. You came in. Uh, I guess you had to sit out a year, and then you played from 2011 to 2014. And that was like the Marcus Jordan time, right? Yeah, I came in, Marcus, my, my sit-out year was Donnie's first year, so I came in with Donnie Jones. So I think Marcus was a sophomore, Keith was a sophomore, um, Di- we had Dave Dykite there, PJ Gaynor, uh, AJ Romsa was a junior. Okay. Because uh, I only got one year with AJ. Yeah, AJ was a junior. Um, some of my favorite guys, you know, some of my best friends for life mm-hmm. was on my sit-out year team. Uh, Dwight McCombs, that was my roommate, me and Isaiah Sykes, we came in together. Um, Zeke was a was a freshman in my my sit out year, so we had a lot of time together. Um, man, I don't even know if you remember my guy Tom Herzog. Uh, he transferred from Michigan State. He was there. Uh, that was my. I lived with him. So yeah, now I came in and and Marcus De- Mark and Jeff too. I can't forget Jeff. That's my guy. Oh yeah, Jeff was. Uh, me and Jeff sat out together. Me, <laughs> Jeff, and Josh Criddle. We all sat out together. So we worked out every day together. We did conditioning together we lifted all three of us we you know when we had to be separate from the team we you know we had to work out on game days together which was like the worst thing in the world i hated that um (laughs) an hour was just it's an hour workout with just you and three other people and you just just about to die in there so you know it was it was it was rough that sit out year is different you know that sit out year was a lot different yeah that i mean that stinks and i i don't know i kind of hate the transfer rules and now everyone it seems like they can just get a waiver pretty easily um, yeah, not, it's not, crazy how you get a waiver. To not have to do that, and it doesn't seem like there's any uh, like people that you feel like should get waivers. You know, they've got like a family member that has like cancer or something in the area, they get denied, and then you got people like um, I, I don't know, like that quarterback. Uh, I forget what his name is from Ohio State that went to Miami or whatever, just because he yeah, was, he like, got a waiver for nothing. Tate, yeah, Tate, Tate Martell, yeah, the bench riding waiver yeah. is what I called it. I mean. Just and he then he didn't even story. play. I know, and then he rode the bench again. It's like, is he going to transfer again or what? Um, Man, I yeah, I remember watching him on the little Netflix show. I, I, <laughs> I was like, I was like, dad, he got a waiver for nothing. He got a waiver for just being being a kid. But no, nah, yeah, that was my year. That was my time. I had, um, yeah, I was definitely in that Marcus Jordan era for sure. Yeah, so, for sure. So tell me about him and like, did you get to meet his dad or anything like that? I know he came and visited quite a bit. Yeah, it was really. I mean, to be completely honest with you. Marcus was just like anybody else on the team. You know, you have guys who you're like, your you guys who you're super cool with, guys who are just your teammates. Right. And Marcus was just a regular, like besides the fact that he had every Jordan you could think of, <laughs> if you take that out, he was just on the team. I mean, he ran right. every suicide you ran. He practiced when you practiced. He, he didn't sit out any practices, super competitive. Right. He talked trash like the rest of us. 
he went out to eat with the rest of us. We hung out whenever, you know, not all, all the time, but, you know, if he was your guy, you put him. If he wasn't, he wasn't. Jeff the same way. I mean, it was super – I mean, the first time I saw Mike, I thought I was I, – I had – I had I was in practice and I was – it was my sit-out year. So I'm literally just staring. Just like, that's Michael Jordan. But by the third or fourth time, you come up, hey, Mr. Jordan, shake his hand. You, you're a son's – you're playing on his son's team. You know, yeah. you're there for we, – we were together for two years. So I've seen him a bunch. I've seen him, you know coming to the games, you know, and he wasn't like a standoff guy. He'd come up, hey, Tristan, how you doing? You know, hey, what's up? You know, and my dad, um, my dad would come to one practice every year. And I think it was like the first practice every year. Um, my dad would come to, because, you know, that's such a far hump. Right. For him to come from D.C. to, you know, not, not, not even talking about like trying to catch a game, you know, but he always came to like the first practice. That was his thing. And uh, when Mike was there, he would sit down, they would talk golf, everything. It was real cool. Real yeah. family atmosphere. It wasn't, it wasn't like, he had, you know, 30 security guards and we weren't allowed to, you know, we couldn't look him in the eye. <laughs> After the third or fourth time, you're like, oh, you know, somebody be like, oh, Mike's coming to practice. You're like, OK, cool. Right. Let me not look. Let me not look, look stupid. <laughs> you know, yeah. But Marcus was cool. You know, Marcus loved rap. He liked to rap. He used to rap all the time. I think he even came out with like a mixtape or a couple songs. The weird stuff would be like he'd be on the phone and, and he'd be like, yo, I'm on the phone with Master P. He'd be like, oh, word. Like, oh, all right. Oh. <laughs> yeah. be the wild stuff, you know? But besides yeah. that, man, you, if you treated him like anything else, you were the weird one. Right. You know? Like, if you treated him other than your teammate and you're trying to kill him in practice, you were weird. You were different. We looked at you like you're tripping. You know, like, we, I went at him like I went at Zeke, like I went at Isaiah. I mean, like I went at Keith, like I went at anybody. And oh. he was going to kill you. And if you didn't, he was going to try to kill you. So you might want to. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think people forget how good of a year um, Marcus had my my sit out year. We were like top fifteen in the country. That was the we year we Florida. started off. We ran, we won like ten in a row or something like that, right? We won we won like sixteen in a row. We we didn't lose till like we didn't lose till like February against um Houston. We lost to Houston. I mean, we were, we were running wins off, and yeah. you know, Marcus Marcus was our leading scorer. I think Keith was like right behind him. They were one and two in scoring, and we had a great year. We had a we had a solid team that set up my sit out year. Those were those were fun years for sure. Um, I definitely remember that because that's I think I was like a junior or senior or something at that time. I graduated in twelve. Tell me more about uh, I guess playing at UCF and like. Uh, and I think um, I think you know for me playing at UCF was so much fun because I really played with like my friends. Like I loved the guys I was with. You know what I'm saying? Like I had a chance to be around some really good guys really you know and i was one of the younger guys so i was kind of i was like me and zeke were the last two to leave really out of our era so for us we got a lot of influence from uh you know keith and dwight and right. uh crit and you know a lot of those guys and, and it was cool just to be able to like you know go from sitting out you know to you know having big games you know like playing at louisville and having 25 or playing against um you know uconn beating uconn the year you know the year after they won a the national championship you know what I'm saying? You know, those games versus USF were always fun, always packed. Yep. Um, Memphis, you know, we were the first team in school history to beat Memphis. You know, so like having a good game versus Memphis and rushing the court. And, you know, that was my first time the court I ever been on a court that got rushed. So I was losing. <laughs> I it bet. took me like 30 minutes. It took me like 30 minutes to get back to the locker room. You I know? bet. <laughs> yeah, I was, acting, I was acting like I hit the game winner. That might have been <laughs> the first time we ever rushed the court, that Memphis game. And uh, I, I think, think they said that. Well. Yeah, and it was crazy, you know. So, you know, and then, you know, we really kind of laid the foundation for the guys who had so much success after. Like, Matt Williams and me were on the same team. Matt was, Matt came in my junior year. Matt was a freshman. So, like, I, I got to, like, see a lot of those guys come in. You know, like, I, re I helped recruit Taco. I helped recruit Chad. 
Um, you know, Donnie, DJ came in here after. Yeah, Donnie uh, Donnie recruited, man. He was a hell of Brandon, a recruiter, man. Man, you gotta look look at Brandon Goodwin. Yep. He's in the NBA playing for the Hawks. He, you know, he came in. Um, you go know, yeah, you had him. You had, you had a lot of successful guys that came in under, you know, even you know, guys who didn't do, you know, extremely well at UCF that are doing great as pros. You gotta look at a guy like Shahid Davis. He's playing in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, he's doing great, he's having a great pro career. He played in top division Italy. So you got guys, you know, who are you know, Donnie really brought a lot of, lot of talent in, a lot of talent. In, right. Of talent so, and that kind of leads me to my next thing, because like, Johnny Dawkins seems to be a great coach. I mean, we've had a lot of success since he's came here. But do you have any opinions on him as a coach? Uh, the difference between Donnie and Johnny, or yeah, just Johnny? Just Johnny in general. But I mean, you can talk about the difference oh. because I, I think everyone kind of knows who Johnny Donnie Jones was. I mean, he by far was the best recruiter we've ever had. Yeah, I think I think one thing Donnie could do. That you know, I, I you know, again, I'm saying this to start off. I don't, I have never been played under Coach Dawkins. Right. Every interaction I had with Coach Dawkins has been amazing. I mean, he lets me into the gym. I still get, you know, I come to practices. Johnny, you know, from what I see with the guys, he teaches them discipline. He teaches them a lot of same values that Coach Jones was trying to teach us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Coach Jones gave us a lot more freedom on the court as well. You can even see how the guys play. You know, like, you know, we had a lot more freedom to to do certain things to play up tempo. You guys were and loose, kind of. Yeah, very loose. A little too loose at times, you know. A little sometimes, you know, we were just too little sporadic, or we were too just, you know, you know, uh, upbeat and too, too, too much of ourselves. Right. You know, when Johnny Johnny Dawkins is, you know, they play like how he wants them to play. All the guys, you know, they're gonna play defense. These guys are gonna take shots. These guys are not gonna take shots. I think he's had better teams that fit more his personality than the team he has this year. And you could say, well, those guys were Donnie's guys, because if you look at the guys who, you know, was in the tournament, if we're going to, you know, the tournament, which, you know, versus Duke, which is, let's say that's the biggest UCF game ever. I, like, think, that's it, I think it was, even though it was yeah, a loss. And yeah. To, yeah, even though it was a loss, you know, when you put the context of where they were, NCAA tournament, who they played against, look at all the guys on the court. And, and, and Bernie, uh, BJ, Donnie. Yeah. Uh, Taco, Donnie. Chad, Donnie. Um, you know, Aubrey was amazing. You know, of course, that's Coach Dawkins. You know, right, 100%. obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Aubrey was and Aubrey was the biggest key in the game. And I love Taco and I love DJ, but Aubrey, I mean, he should have got drafted he, off of that game. He, he had was, the game of his amazing. life, man. That was crazy. Yeah. I bet he would have got drafted if that ball had rolled in at the end, honestly. And the crazy part is he had a he had a great – you know, he, he worked out for like 22 NBA teams. He worked out for so many NBA teams. I, I for sure – Thought he was going to go at least, you know, mid to late second round. Yeah. I thought somebody was going to give him a chance. Yeah, for sure. He was in a lot of draft stocks, a lot. Um, but, you know, that's just, you know, I think his age kind of hurt him being 23. I think hurt. If he was 21, he would have got drafted for late first round for sure. And he had a he had another year. He could have came back. I know. That's, cr- that's crazy. <laughs> and, um, then, and, you know, it's crazy when you look back on it now. You're like, damn, but imagine Aubrey Dawkins with this team. Right. You know, like a, a certified, a bona fide score. You know, which sometimes we lack. And, you know, we got guys who either shoot the three or guys who get to the hole. And I think Aubrey would have been perfect three-man and would have gave us a lot. But, you I mean, you can't ask a 24-year-old to come back to school when they've had, you know, that's hard. He had, he nothing, just, le- he had nothing left to accomplish. And he would have just nothing, come back man. on a team that wouldn't have been as good. And it just – I don't think there was any upside for him to coming back. No, nah, so. it wasn't. It, 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 was, it wouldn't have – I mean, maybe individual numbers. But winning-wise, I don't think he could have had a – he couldn't have duplicated the same year. Exactly. But, I mean, it's a big – it's a big difference. I love, um, I love Donnie. Me and Donnie talk to this day. I'm so proud of him over at Stetson. But I think Donnie was the best recruiter ever at UCF. And I think Johnny Dawkins has just took what Donnie did and just put structure to it. Okay. Put more, like, you know, put more of his imprint on it. 
You know what I mean? Because if you got, I mean, look at the success he had even going to the tournament. Matt Williams was a Johnny, I mean, a Donnie Jones guy. I think he just put Matt in a great situation, and Matt had the ultimate green light, and he turned things up. BJ was BJ when he got here as a freshman and when he left as a senior. I mean, was, was there nothing going to change how BJ played? BJ was BJ. Like, he looked the same under Donnie as he did versus Johnny. So, you know, even that, like, what did what was the big difference there? Just a different system. Exactly. Different structure. So, you know, I think that was the main thing. And, and you got to look, too. When did Donnie Jones come? He came, you know, we had the toughest schedule in UCF history my senior year. We, you're talking about Louisville twice. UConn, when UConn was really UConn twice. Right, right. Cincinnati was top five that year. SMU was top ten that year. Like, Donnie had some rough some rough schedule years. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, he, you know? he, he really did. Uh, when we, yeah, sw- we, we just switched time. conferences, and that was like – we had the old Big East or whatever, pretty much. Pretty much. And then you're talking about we lost Keith that next, that year. So it was really just me and Isaiah with a bunch of uh, really young guys. Matt right. wasn't Matt. Matt wasn't the Matt we saw later on in his senior year. Taco wasn't there yet. We, we were really young. We, then we had three seniors, and, and everyone else was a freshman or a sophomore. So, you know, we, I, 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 honestly, I think we had, like, the, the youngest team in the country. And you take them and put them in the Big East with – Louisville, who had Russ Smith and won the national. Louisville won the national championship the year before. UConn won the national championship that year, our yeah. first year in the conference. <laughs> That's not an easy yeah. schedule. <laughs> nah, not at all. So I mean, I, I think a lot of things worked against Donnie, and I think you know a couple of kids he brought in didn't pan out the way he wanted to. Like uh, my, one of my guys, Justin Justin McBride. I thought Justin was going to be a beast. Seeing him in practice and seeing him every day, I, I mean, you, I could, I would have bet the house on Justin McBride. I would, I, I mean, he just had so much tools and he didn't really pan out and Brandon really didn't pan out the way Donnie wanted to. I think that Brandon BJ combo just didn't mess the way, you know, it, it, it could have, you know, and then he had an excellent career at Florida golf coast. He's he signed a two year deal with the Hawks now. So, yeah. I mean, Donnie, I mean, come on, man, Donnie recruiting wise, man, he's, he's top one. And then look at, and then this is the craziest part. Look at Dayton. Dayton is top five in the country. Donnie Jones was the head recruiter at Dayton just to just last year, just two years ago, he was at Dayton. Now they're top five with a lot of guys. He brought in, like, I'm telling you, Florida. Donnie recruited Corey. Donnie recruited uh, uh, Joaquin Noah and Al Horford. Yeah. You know, I've, <laughs> I've had conversations with them, and and, and Mo, Mo Spates is a real good friend of mine. Mo was like, man, I only went to Florida because of Donnie Jones. Like, like I only went to these schools because of Donnie I'm like, wow, crazy when you think about it. Like, Yeah, and that definitely know, reflected from the guys. The guys he brought to UCF were nothing different. I mean, all really, really top caliber players. So Yeah, a lot of talent. A lot of talented guys. I mean, Zeke. Didn't start off the way, you know, he wanted to as a freshman. But he, I think, one year he led the NCAA in triple-doubles. Like, crazy shit. Like, it's crazy stuff. Excuse me, I don't know if I can curse. Crazy stuff. So, you know what I mean? I, I think, you know, it's just a vast difference. You know, even looking at this team, because I still come back every summer and work out with the guys. I, I, you know, every summer I get, like, a little apartment in Orlando, and that's, like, my little break, my little vacation. Nice. So I got to see the guys this summer, and I thought, we, you know, we had a lot of talented young guys. Yeah, it's just tough. It's a lot of new guys playing together, and, uh, you know, obviously almost none of them have that much experience. We lost almost all of our, our scores and stuff from last year. But uh, yeah. um, let's move on, though, and talk about, I guess, what you did after UCF. Um, right after I graduated, I got room for the NBA process, which uh, Jones really helped me with. Um, I signed the agent, and then, you know, I finished school. Uh, that was my senior year. I only had two classes. So I was really able to do a lot of my NBA draft workouts um, during this school year, which right. was great, which was, you know, doing that second half of the uh, semester, which was great. Um, graduated. And as soon as I graduated, I went right to Atlanta and started my pre-draft workouts. I worked Knicks, 
Utah twice, or uh, not. I didn't work out for the Magic. I worked out for Detroit. I worked out for, oh man, who else? Um, a couple other teams. And then you know, draft night came, and I um, I really didn't think I was gonna get drafted, so I went to the movies. Um, I didn't watch the draft. You know, I went to the movie. I was like, I no need to. You know, I'm I'm not going to draft it. I'm gonna. I don't want to watch this or you know guys I played against or guys I think I'm better than. So I got a call from Detroit. Um, and they told me they weren't going to take me in the second round, but they were going to invite me to um, Summer League, which was great, which was, you know, something I appreciated. Um, and I did good. I averaged 10 points, four rebounds, four assists in Summer League. And then I went to Utah for training camp and then got drafted by um, the Cavs with the 29th overall pick in the G League, which right. was, you know, was real cool. I did that for a year. And then um, I decided, you know, I wanted to try overseas. Um, G League was just so tough with the guy. At that time, it was the D League, and it was totally different than how it is in the G League now. Money wise, was way different. Money was they didn't pay anything, right? Different. Yeah, you nothing. You're not especially if you're like a rookie. You're not making much of anything, and then you get taxed on top of yeah, that. So you're almost travel. losing money after like Man. expenses, and, and then stuff. you're getting taxed, and then the travel's crazy. So one day we we played New York. We drove up to Boston. The next day, played in Boston, played in Maine. Excuse me, you're not even playing in the city. You're playing in the the, the right. like the sister cities. Right. We played in Maine. We flew to Cincinnati, drove to day, drove to uh, Canton, had a game, and like that's like three out of the four days. That's your travel. That's how you do it. So that's rough. You know, that next year I played. Yeah, it was crazy. That was that was wild. Um, I went to Hungary. The next year after that, I had great success. Um, I was, I was the MVP of the All Star game. We lost in the championship to um this team that was in Euro Cup was my first so my first year I went all the way to the championship game. It was great, man. And ever since then I've been in some really blessed situations, man. I played in Argentina. Um I got a chance to play in China. Um where else? Just a lot of great play Israel, top division in Israel. So I've been, you know, blessed to be, you know, still still doing what I love. You know, and in this summer, uh this past summer, I got to play back with Keith Clay you know, and me and him are like that's like my best every summer we link up together. I see him every day. We work out together. Um, and this summer we got to play in the TVT and almost went to the uh, to the final. I remember that, man. I remember that. Y'all got yeah. so damn close. Uh, that was definitely man. fun to watch. That was that was great hitting game winners and stuff. <laughs> that, that, Elam, that Elam ending is different, man. That's tough. It's, it's tough. It's interesting though, and it, it's kind of like how they did the All Star game this year, and it made it. Uh, it's exactly. It's just, that's it's exactly. just different. It's like a pickup game, kind of. At the end, yeah. I mean, you play it to a certain number. Right. It's just like it's that pressure hits you, and you could be up ten. And next, you know, it's a tie game, and you can't just hold the ball and run the clock out. Exactly, like exactly. Play. It's just, uh, it's different. So, um, how, what was it like, say, playing in like Israel or something like that? I mean, does anyone speak English over there? Yeah, yeah. In certain countries, uh, I've been in some great situations when it comes to that. Like Israel was fun. Um, Hungary, nobody spoke English. That was different. So, how how do you get around there and stuff? Like, like Google Translate, um, or did they even have that yeah. back then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Google Translate for sure. That's that's gonna save you. Google Translate is gonna save you. You get a car. Some places you get a car. Like um, in Europe, if you go there, you get like a little car sometimes, and you'll be able to drive around. Um, I went. Uh, how did I get? I mean, Hungary, I had a car. Israel, I had a car. But in Argentina, you got to take the taxi everywhere. And I mean, they speak Spanish, so if you know a little bit of Spanish, you're okay. Kind of get by, yeah. Yeah, like, but I'm in Mexico right now, and every and like my Spanish is broken, and I can order food, 
<laughs> and I could get to the gym and I could get home and I'm good. You know what I mean? I'm good to go. Yeah. Coaches all speak a little English, so it's, it's cool. That's funny. No, I'm kind of the same way. I can speak Spanish like enough to get by like when I was in Colombia, but I can't understand it. Yeah, yeah. Now, when they start talking fast, that's when I'm like, whoa, whoa, I need, I need, hey, listen, uh, me no hablo espanol, so you got to slow down a little bit. I don't really know what you're saying here, but I'll <laughs> uh, you know, you get the basics down and once you've done, done it for so long, I think it's my came out of, well, I was 22, 29. That's my seventh year. So, like, you know, you know how to get around. You know how to function pretty much. But it's cool. I mean, I mean, I love to do what I do every day. I wake up, I play basketball, and I get paid great for it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, always going to be um, thankful, you know, to just having that opportunity and being able to really grow my game uh, at UCF. So, I love it. I mean, that sounds awesome. I mean, if you play basketball your whole life, now you get to do it. Uh, you've gotten to travel and see all kinds of different places that most people will never get to see any of the places. Man, to. Never. Even going to China, man. I was in China for, for like two months in the summer playing um, in the NBL. It was amazing. Like, it was just one of the best experiences I could have asked for. I, I loved it. I bet. I bet. And then, you know, obviously getting paid for it makes it nice, too. So that, that's awesome, Oh, yeah, yeah, man. yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. That's great. You want to do nothing for free. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, you get to a certain point, nothing's for free. Because trust me, if they can get you to pay for free, they will try. Oh, I'm sure. So, um, all right, man. Well, that's that's all the time I got today. Um, thanks so much for hopping on the show. We get, definitely got to do this again, man. Oh, no, definitely. Especially in the summertime, too, when it... If we can get back down to Orlando, maybe hit a hit a spot. Sounds good to me, bro. All right, man. Take care. No problem. All right. So that was an awesome interview with Tristan Spurlock, whom I own his jersey that I got at the last spring game. It's really cool that he gets to get paid to do something he loves, basketball, and get to travel to all these, these cool different places. And, uh... You know, also a little to hear a little bit about his interactions with, you know, Michael Jordan and uh, how he ended up at UCF. And I feel like there's a lot more opportunity for, you know, basketball players. It's like, oh, I always hear that stat that, like, it's one in a million for you to, like, actually make it to the NBA. But basketball is such a world sport now that there's so many different leagues in so many different countries that as long as you're somewhat talented, like, you can. Maybe you're not NBA potential, but you definitely can make like a solid career, especially being able to travel everywhere. Like, that would be awesome. It's definitely cool. You know, with NBA, I mean, there's like 11, 12 man rosters times that by 30. There's less than 400 NBA players in the NFL. It's 32 times 52 plus the practice squad that that makes it almost, uh, I think, like 65. You're at like 2000 NFL players. So. You're almost eight times less as likely to make it in the NBA. And not only that, there's like 350 D1 college basketball programs. There's only like 80 D1 football programs. So it's definitely a lot harder to make it in basketball. But if you don't, you have the option of playing overseas because it's such an international sport, like you said. Whereas football, it's either NFL or bust. Although now... Or XFL. Now we have the XFL, so let's talk about that. We're and two- Matty Wright still isn't hired. He was on the Vipers like practice squad or something like Blasphemy. that. Blasphemy. I agree. He should get a chance. So You the- can't tell me right now Young Ho Koo is a better kicker than Matty Wright down the middle. I think it's Young Way. But it's spelled. I know it's spelled Young Ho, which is way cooler. That's how I would go by it. Yeah. No, I agree. I'd go by Young Ho. Um, so the first two weeks are done. 
the Vipers suck. Their coach is an idiot. I hate Quentin Flowers as, you know, one of the best players ever for our biggest rival, USF. But he was dang good at, like, getting yards and stuff is what I say. I will never say he was, like, a great player. Um, And Mark Tressman, their coach, is an idiot and just, like, won't play him. And I don't know. The Vipers suck. But overall, I guess, what I are your Jerry opinions? I Glanville was the coach. No, the Tressman's the coach of the Vipers. Oh. I don't know. Um, is Glan- Glanville's, like, the offensive coordinator? Maybe. Have you watched any of the games, and what are your opinions of the league so far? I have watched a decent amount of the games. Uh, I watched them week one and week two. I think it's awesome. You know, I really thought at the beginning of the league that, yeah, the rule changes sounded cool, and I thought maybe some, you know, should be adopted in the NFL, and some might not work out. But honestly, I think all of them should be adopted in the NFL. I love the kickoff. I think the kickoff, 100% should be in the NFL. Look, it adds excitement and decreases injury. It's a win-win. You know, the guys, like, aren't running full speed ahead. But, I mean, what's worse than, like, getting all hyped up for an NFL game, even just watching it, and nine times out of ten, it's a stupid touchback. It's like, oh, that was the biggest letdown ever. Like, people like kickoff returns. They moved up the kickoff yard line and, like, changed the rules and stuff to encourage touchbacks to decrease injury. Not because they didn't want people to see action, but the action that was created by a kickoff led to injury. The XFL has found a way around that. You know, it's very low, high-speed contact besides the guy that gets the ball. And I agree, that's been super exciting. And I agree with you, too, that the NFL will probably take after that rule. I mean, you know, you watch the, the sports debate shows and stuff like that. They almost never agree on anything. I think the kickoff rule is the one thing that almost everyone has universally agreed on that I've heard recently about the XFL or really any sport or any topic. I also really like going for one, two, or three. I think it adds another element to the game. It really punishes you for only taking a field goal. I know Squints, our resident statistician and analytics guy, he hates field goals. And he hates when people kick field goals or punt on, like, fourth and ones. And I feel like it will really destroy a team if if they're settling for field goals instead of going for it in this league, which I love. I mean, field goals are cool, but it's just... Well, you got to do what... (laughs) So the whole reason... Squint isn't against field goals. He's against field goals in situations where they're not adding expected value. A lot of the time, people kick them, and it's like, your chances of getting that yard were better than, honestly, the odds of making the field goal. So another thing I noticed, too, though, is like in one of the weeks, a coach, I forget what he did. He, he was up um, he was up nine and kicked a field goal. But like it's still a one-score game. or I don't remember exactly what it was, but the coaches haven't been taking advantage of the rule. And I feel like, if anything, they should be going for two because it's only like a yard and a half or two yards more than the one. But it definitely adds some more, you know, the fact that you can nine points, a nine-point deficit is a one-score game makes it exciting. And also the fact that there's no onside kicks, you get a fourth and 15 from your own 25-yard line, which is, I feel like, the odds of making a fourth and 15 are way higher than making an actual onside kick, which almost never happens anymore. No, there's definitely some good elements, some negatives, I would say. The teams that like don't have a competent quarterback... 
I mean, some of the games have been ugly to watch, but again, these teams haven't been playing with each other for that long. I think it's going to improve just like the AAF did. I think where the AAF went wrong, well, one, their biggest investor was committing wire fraud, and two, they rushed out. They announced the league in, uh, toward the end of, I think, 2017 to start in uh, March of that next year. The XFL took the time to get everything right, and on top of that, the XFL is backed by the WWE, who has literally infinite amount of money to pay the players and pay the coaches for maybe two, three years until this can be profitable. So it's not going anywhere anytime soon. And I think the quality of the play on the field is going to keep getting better. And I, I think they're doing it right overall. I just, I, I hate that the Tampa team, one, is in Tampa, two, wears green and white, puke green and white, and three, has an incompetent coach. Um, but besides that, it's been fun. Cardell Jones looks good. I guarantee you he gets a shot to be a backup quarterback in the NFL if he keeps it up. And I think a lot of these guys actually will too, just like the the standout players in the AAF got chances in the NFL. And you know what? At the end of the day, it's football when we wouldn't be having football. Uh, let's be real. Who wants to hear about the stupid Houston Astros again? Like that's all people have been talking about. So at least I have the XFL to get my mind off of that on the weekends. Yeah, for real. I don't know. I mean, I was more excited for the Vipers. There was a lot more hype coming into the season but they suck dude it's the coach the <laughs> coach is horrible it. dude just oh so anyway jerry glanville jerry glanville is the defensive coordinator for the vipers gotcha who also sounds like a nascar driver hey jerry glanville around the right turn coming around turn four <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean I, they're fun there's a lot of antics going on in the stands i like that uh a little cup snake like, action little cup snake there was a streaker some dude like eating a piece of cheese i don't know it's just fun man like and football sometimes football in general I... creates fun stuff there's funny plays there was that guy the perfect punt would have been down at the half yard line bozo guy like trying to down it kicked it in the end zone it's just fun like in general you get fun fan stuff fun player stuff oh the interviews on the sideline are awesome who was that quarterback, uh, the old Penn State guy? Crap, I forget his name, but going into halftime, they were interviewing him on his way into the tunnel. They were like, oh, so what would you change about the game? It was Matt McGloin, okay? And he's like, oh, the whole God. game plan. Toss the whole game plan out. It all sucks. We all suck. Bench starting the second half for, like, trashing his team, which is hilarious. Or, like, after a guy makes an interception, they interview him, or after he, like, makes a bad play. I think that's really cool. But yeah, overall, more football is better. Um, so talking about, I guess, rule changes, real quick here. The NFL has proposed some minor rule changes, I guess, in their new collective bargaining agreement, which if you remember back in 2011 is why we had the whole lockout and the replacement referees and the, uh, the dual possession Seahawks-Packers thing. But it looks like they're going to come to an agreement and the kind of main things that are going to get changed as reported so far. They're going to add an extra regular season game. So there'll be 17 total games. They're just going to take off a preseason game. So the whole overall calendar won't change. It'll just start a week early. And then also adding an extra wild card. So there'll be seven playoff teams from each league and only one bye week. And it's important to get that bye because 
the last time a team that didn't have a bye made it to the Super Bowl was 2013, the Ravens. So the last six Super Bowls have all featured teams that had a bye. Now, obviously, they didn't just make the Super Bowl because they had the bye. The best teams have the bye. But no doubt, it helps a lot only having to win two games to get to the Super Bowl as opposed to having to win three. I like it. I like more playoff teams. Maybe the Cowboys will actually be able to make hey. it. <laughs> Gotta sign no, but back I, I like first, seeing so yeah. the under. I like seeing the underdogs make it in the playoffs in the NFL. I really enjoyed watching the Titans uh, make a deep run yep. because I mean, with football, it's like it, some people think it's like taking away from the regular season, but I don't. I mean, more football, football the better, especially at the end of the year. It's like square up your best eleven on our best eleven, and you know, figure out a winner. Yeah, and then it's on, one game, but and, make it work. And then on top of that, our first wild card weekend is going to have six games. So the two versus seven, the three versus six, and the the four and five game. Uh, so you have three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday. More football is the better. And on top of that, seventeen regular season games means more fantasy, an extra regular season week, and possibly going. Everyone goes. So it'll actually be week 18 is the last week of the regular season, including everyone's bye week. And only one team will be getting that uh, first round bye. So it'll make it kind of more, I guess, important to get that number one overall seed. Because as we know, that bye is just very, very important. Right. Well, that part I don't like. The fantasy part I don't like. Because usually my team starts out real hot and I'm just like barely hanging on <laughs> yeah, at me, the end of the year. I'm the same exact way. And you know why? Is because like I do all the research in the summer when nothing's going on and I like I know the players to pick. And then as UCF's undefeated streak of the year starts to go on and on and I'm like traveling to away games and then barely setting my lineup, barely picking up waivers because I'm so distracted by college football and everything else. My team totally tails off toward the end, so having an extra regular season week is just one more week for my team to go to complete shambles. I think the last two years, this year I made the playoffs in, I think it was the one seed in three leagues and only even one money in one league or something like that, and it, it seems to happen every year, but it's a good thing because we're distracted, or at least me, I'm distracted by UCF. Speaking of UCF and the NFL... We've got the NFL Combine starting this week in Indianapolis. Gabe Davis and Navelle Clark both had official Combine invites. Gabe Davis is going in the second round in a lot of mock drafts from respectable writers. Uh, Navelle Clark will be upgraded to first after Combine. You know, I don't. It's not Gabe. It's um. It's the fact there are that a lot of receivers going. It's this not, year, though. and and there's only like one or two in the first round anyway. And I mean, he's good, but he's not Jerry Judy playing against an SEC schedule. Which I'm not saying that in any way, shape, or form that has anything to do with that. It just that is exactly what the talking heads are going to say. They're like, oh, Jerry Judy, SEC. You know how everyone is. So, uh, but I definitely think it'll be a, a first couple round pick. Um, I thought AK got snubbed. I mean, dude's got what, 30-something touchdowns in his four years at UCF. One of the fastest guys in all of college football, widely recognized by most people. But he's going to get a shot at the UCF Pro Day. I'm not sure when that is. I think it's sometime in March, uh, a little bit after the combine. 
And then some other guys were going to look to get picked up by teams. Nate Evans and Jordan Johnson. Uh, is there anyone else you can think of? Uh, off the top of my head, no. I just wanted to talk about AK for a minute. I would just use that as like motivation. You know, not exactly. getting invited to the Combine. Honestly, the Combine, yeah, it's important. But there's some people that skip the Combine and want to just do the Pro Day. I mean, to me, I would feel more comfortable in my own city in Orlando, you know, my own stadium. I think they do it at the indoor, in the indoor Yeah, it's at the field. I mean, the guys that skip the combine are like Baker Mayfield and Tua. Nothing against AK, but uh, you're right. You got to, you know, play the hand you're dealt with. And I know he's going to take this and use this as motivation. And, you know, when he runs like a 4.19 in the 40, every <laughs> single NFL team is going to be calling yeah. his agent. Even the XFL, dude, that... that- Going back to the XFL for a sec, that's like the one downfall that I've seen in a lot of the games is not the pace of the game, but the pace of the players seems slow. Is that to you? Like when people, like the running backs are slow, the receivers are slow. It just doesn't seem as like as fast of a game. Yeah, I agree. You know, it might be they're not as fast or it might be. I mean, a lot of these guys have played in the league for a couple years. It might just be the fact that these guys have only been playing together for a couple months. They're not. What are you doing? That's making all that noise. Yawning. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. They're not a college program that's been going on for years, and you know, a couple players might leave and get subbed in, but the whole system is there. Everything is new to everyone, and that's what happened with the AAF. I think the play got better week to week. Uh, so I'm hoping for that. But you're probably right. You know, these guys aren't NFL caliber, and they're not necessarily the best college players because they would be in the NFL but I think we'll just um you know we'll just have to see we'll have to see what happens I think we'll see a handful of guys from this class playing on Sunday uh for sure all right last up we've got Moose mailbag thank you guys for all your questions from Twitter and Instagram we always make sure to answer everyone's questions and if we don't it's because we already covered it earlier on the show in earlier on in the show and we don't want to be redundant uh moo why don't you start us off first question is from md night 2016 for 2020 if dylan gabriel is rolling along the year doing better than last year and in the middle of the season kz and the staff says 100 percent do you pull dg for mckenzie so short answer is no if DG was the starter at the beginning of the year and he's playing better than last year, it stinks. I mean, I'd love to see McKenzie out there, but the answer is no. But who's to say McKenzie won't be 100% by the time the season starts? Yeah, I know he just got his brace off, but, I mean, we've still got six months or so. Who knows, man? Who knows? Um, this is going to be a very, very interesting, very polarizing, and very fun topic to watch as spring ball starts and we start to get our first reports of what he's doing it'll definitely be something to talk about what what do you think i don't think you should pull him at all but you know that's saying that he's going to be better than last year it's going to be tough to that's the thing top last year (laughs) well in the situation he said if dg's rolling then that means he's already the starter and you know me and you are both the biggest advocates if it ain't broken don't fix it so in that situation absolutely not but who's to say that's the situation we don't know. I mean, la- this time last year, we were having the Wimbush-Mack debate. 
right. look how that turned out. So I mean, what if we start, you know, uh, and we're four and two? Let's see if we drop UNC and then we drop at Memphis, we'd be four and three. But do we lose those games because of quarterback play, or is it because the defense is giving up fifty points? Uh, there's right. so many different variables that can go in. It's hard to just give a, a solid answer. I think we're all kind of on the same page. If Dylan's a starter and he's doing great, better than last year, there's no way in hell he gets pulled for anyone. You can't. And if we're losing games but Dylan's doing good, then there's no way. But who knows that Dylan's even going to be the starter. If KZ is 100% for spring ball and playing just as well as DG, then maybe they both get reps like Mac and DG did last year. Who knows? It's fun to talk about. Uh, let's see. Next question. These are from Instagram. Uh, Tank10. Nope. Tank0103. Do you think Nate Evans will get drafted? I hope so. I think he'll get signed as a free agent. What do you guys think? We kind of skipped over him talking about drafts. So what is your opinion here, Moo? I think Nate, Jordan, and AK are all in that round five to seven slash undrafted free agent. That's not saying anything about their talent. I think they're all amazingly talented at their own positions. However, like we said earlier, I mean, it's hard to get in the NFL, man. There's so many good people. And that's not to say that they can't have, you know, successful NFL careers. I mean, we've had a lot of late rounders and, you know, undrafted free agents that have been in the league and and done pretty well. It's the circumstances that we're under and, it's so competitive, and it has nothing to do with the players. It's a lack of opportunity, and coming from a school like UCF, they're already not getting the same equal opportunity as a lot of guys. How many guys from Bama get drafted high and then just end up fizzling out just because they were from Bama? And then you look at guys like A.J. Boye, who got skipped over every single round of the draft and was all pro and you know signed a huge lucrative extension. Dude got paid. And or a, yeah. a guy like Adam Thielen, also undrafted, you know, Pro Bowl wide receiver, and guys like that that are undrafted that make rosters. I mean, they are on such a fine line between even having an opportunity and getting there. I mean, it might have been one play in practice, or one guy, or two guys, or three guys ahead of them getting hurt for them to even get looked at to get that last roster spot on those teams, and then they got a chance to excel. I know there's so many players out there that could have been all pro, that could have been, you know, some of the best of their position that literally just never got a chance and didn't end up playing football at all for their lives because it's that competitive, like you said. So anyway, they've got a shot. Yeah, no, they definitely do. And, you know, one of the things that I've noticed in transitioning players or scouting players from college to the NFL, at least for me, is linebackers. I have such a hard time figuring out if linebackers are going to be good because their speed in college doesn't matter as much as it does in the NFL. Like a guy like I think Pat Jasinski was a great linebacker for us, but never really had a shot in the NFL because, I mean, he just didn't have the speed. And that burned us on a couple plays in college, but for the most part, he was a more than capable middle linebacker captain, you know, and it just wasn't enough for the NFL. I don't know how fast Nate Evans is at all. He was a freaking beast for the last two years, though. 100-plus tackles in his last two seasons. I hope he's good enough. I think his, you know, his 40 times and his, uh, his pro day and stuff will show that, but I honestly have no idea. I know for a fact, though, 
he's going to give it his best shot and be in the best shape of his life for that um, that pro day and you know running all those drills and everything. AK is a guy that I think, as long as he gets put on the right team in the right system with a guy that knows how to use him, I think he can be a role player in the NFL. You know, and Jordan Johnson, again, I don't know that much about O-Lyman. Uh, I know he's been great for four years. I know it's very competitive for those guys. I think they'll all get signed at least to mini camps and hopefully make a training camp roster. And we'll have to see from there. And hopefully we see some old faces, you know, some of the guys that just didn't quite make it last year. Maybe a little Kalubi Alley comeback. Who knows? But it'll be fun to, to see how everything unfolds over these next couple months. All right. Last question here from Luna the Tripod. What do you think about UCF's 2020 schedule? What's your record prediction? And who do you think is going to be a standout player next season? All right, so let's do win-loss predictions for UCF, and then we'll go for our breakout star predictions. Whoa, this is like the way, way too early. Yeah. It's spoiling our season preview. Yeah, but I was this, not prepared yeah. for this question. I wasn't either. That's what makes it fun. All right. You want so, me to go first? Sure. Okay. So, thirteen and zero Peach Bowl. <laughs> There's not Is it a, the Peach Bowl this year. So they rotate. Um, it should be the Peach Bowl, but it's not. It's not like one hundred percent, but it should be the Peach Bowl. And I say thirteen and zero. That I'm not just blindly saying that. I think all of our games are winnable. We got a couple tough road games. Memphis is going to be tough. You know that UNC game at home is going to be tough. But even looking back at last year, there was no game we shouldn't have won. And I feel the same way about it this year. Whether we go 13-0 or not, I don't know. Conference divided a little bit different this year. There's no division, so it's just the top two teams play each other that week after um, our USF game. Hopefully, we'll be in Orlando Which I again. I think is a good, a good change for us. It's great. Um, because if we lose one game to Cincinnati, we don't have to hope for Cincinnati to lose twice. So last year, or any year before, if you lose a division game to someone that's undefeated, you have to hope for them to lose twice because they have the tiebreaker against you. Now you just have to be second in all of the conference out of all the 10 other teams out of the 11. So you're right. It definitely helps us out. I look at our schedule. I don't see any game that we won't be favored in, or at least very close. And we might not win every game, but I don't see any reason why we can't at the same time. I don't either. I don't see a game on here that we will not be favored in. Maybe Memphis well, would be the closest one. I think the biggest thing is is that we really only have four true road games. Yeah, we do have five away, but the one is at USF. And with how big of a home field advantage we have, you know, I put the stamp on there, four and a half points, which typically college football is only three and a half. You know, with our home field advantage – Teams are going to have to play like absolute lights out their best game of the last decade to beat us at home. It just is what it is. I mean, the away games, yeah, we saw, you know, like the Jekyll and Hyde UCF team on the road last year. But Memphis is going to be tough no matter what. They're always tough and they have a great team. Gainwell, man, he's good. Gainwell. Gainwell. Yeah. So. We, we just thought we see. were fine when Henderson graduated. We thought we were fine when Tony Pollard graduated. Patrick Taylor like, graduated last year. Nope. You I know mean, what? They're probably saying the same thing with us with all of our running backs. Well, yeah. I mean, at, I least, mean, we won, at, at least, least we, we won them. most of the games. <laughs> I know. It's crazy because how much we hate all those Memphis guys that ran all over us. Think of how much they hate all of our guys that 
beat them. <laughs> yeah. There's some Memphis podcast going, oh, Adrian Killens graduated, but <laughs> they still got Be- a- they still got Bino and McCray. That's that that's <laughs> such a good point. All right, so second part of the question. Who's your standout or breakout exciting new player for UCF? Um, what do you think, Moo? I really think that this is the year finally Marlon Williams You're shows the true potential <laughs> shows the true potential of who, you know, he could have been these last two years if he wasn't buried behind, you know, first or second rounder Gabe Davis and the other plethora of talent. Traquan and Snelson, I agree. You know, so I know he's waited a long time and I have a lot of faith in Heupel that he finally realizes that uh, he should have been using Marlon more. Go ahead and tell me yours and then I'll give you like a two, I'll give you like a 1A because I got a 1 and a 1A. So... Uh, for one, Marlon, I mean, if you saw Squince's Twitter thread the other day, his second half stats in the season, I mean, Hypo unleashed the Marlon um, for sure. So I don't know if he's really like a I, – I guess he'll still be a breakout player because everyone was kind of in the shadow of Gabe Davis. And don't forget about Trey Nixon too, who's coming back for his senior season. Um, I guess mine's not that good too because we got to see him so much, especially with how much our running backs got injured, whether it was one guy or another – I got to go with Bentavious Thompson because, I mean, for how much we run the ball up the middle and for his size and his speed, I mean, I love McCray. McCray was one of the highest rated running backs by Pro Football Focus after the 18 season. Obviously, Otis had a career season last year, but Bentavious is just a different kind of runner. And again, now without AK there, he's going to get more important or more meaningful touches and I think he's going to have a breakout year too, even though he's kind of like a guy that, like Marlon is, that's already seen a, a significant amount of, amount of gameplay. But I think it's just going to increase this season, and he's going to be, you know, one of the main contributors, not just a uh, like a role player, a role player, or even that's not a great word, but uh, you know what I mean. So, wh- who's your one A? Well, I just want to talk about Bentavious. You know, I was super high on him last year. He was my breakout star. I believe I'll have to go back. I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure that he was my breakout star. The year before was McCray and uh, great call McCray, with 1100 yards. I got an eye for the running backs. Bentavious led the team in rushing touchdowns with eight. And he also actually AK led an average. But anyway, he still averaged seven yards a carry. Because AK would have like these 60 yard runs, but yeah, right. Right, and Bentavious' longest run was only 45 yards, so he's getting a lot more like seven, eight-yarder runs. I think if you take even half of AK's up-the-middle runs, which I didn't like, and give them to Bentavious, you probably add like two to three yards per carry, just him falling forward Yep. Um, instead of getting stuffed at the line. But I just uh, real quick, my 1A, who I'm really high on this year, Jacob Harris. Um Long ball Harris, man. He he was catching all kinds of deep balls. Loved loved him on those go routes. Uh, Huge size really, mismatch. I'd really like to see him do this year is be used more at, set up as like a tight end. And if we just ran that play where you know we ran it through the little side pass to Hescock that never gained any yards, maybe <laughs> yeah. like two 
nothing against Hescock. He's a good blocker. Yeah. But gain like two or three yards, dude. If you just give it to Harris or like goal line Harris, he's like six seven, right? Size mismatch. I mean, come on. You don't have to jump. He's like ta- the taco fall of tight ends. That's what I'm saying. Mini Gronk. Like, yeah. Heupel's a great coach, but sometimes it takes him like a little bit to figure out like how to utilize. That's a that's a that's a the talent. That's you know a good, I mean? that's a good way to say it. Uh, I I definitely agree with that. All right, uh, we're running out of time here. Uh, let's wrap this up real quick. Season tickets, obviously renewals are over. If you don't have your name on the wait list and you don't have season tickets, do that now. Or if you want to upgrade, the demand is huge. We're going to be sold out soon. Be sure to follow our associate AD in charge of ticket sales, among other things, at Brooke Smoley. Trying to get her a thousand followers. So if you guys could do that, that'd be awesome. Moo, Did you I, get any new tickets? Yeah, I bought upgrade a. Your seats? I bought my seats are the same, but I bought a family pack because I'm always giving away tickets to friends and stuff. Uh, I think it was like one ninety nine for four tickets or two ninety nine or something like 299. that. Two ninety nine. You can't beat yeah. it. You can't beat it. No, I also stayed in my section uh, over there in one hundred five, and then I have a bunch of others like in the section behind you in case a whole bunch of more friends want to come. They I, all got tickets. It's not hard for. I always had people asking me for tickets and stuff, and I mean. For two ninety nine for four tickets, where we have seven home games, so that's like like forty five dollars a game for four tickets. It's like ten dollars a ticket. So I give them to my friends for ten bucks, and I'm covered for the year. It's definitely a great deal on those. So yeah, be sure to sign up or um, get on the wait list, or or if you want to move sections, do that. Uh, what else you got, Moo? The Daytona five hundred was this past weekend. Former UCF student Eric Almarola is one of the more talented NASCAR drivers in the 500. He did place 22nd after a couple of wrecks, but there always is some in, in Daytona. So uh, there's always what's is, it? it's called the big one, right? Like the big one. Was yeah, there, a there was big the one big or? one, and then oh yeah, there was multiple big ones. <laughs> there was the big one, and then the guy flipped on his roof. I think he's okay. And well, I don't know. There was I'm not a big NASCAR fan. Well, but, ev- I think everyone saw the. The Ryan Newman crash, which we're recording this on Thursday, just yesterday, Wednesday, three days after the race, after he flipped going 220 and got hit on his driver's side, he walked out of the hospital yesterday, which is insane because, I mean, they had the black tents up and stuff around him. It was not a good scene, and we didn't hear a lot out of the hospital and everything, so thank God he's alive. Um, But yeah, that's awesome. We got a UCF. I think he dropped out of school to be a NASCAR driver, but number 22 in the Daytona 500? That's awesome. We we got to get him on the show. I'm going to have to find him. Or if anyone knows him, put us in touch. That would be very cool. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. I have so many questions for a NASCAR driver because it's like yeah. something I know nothing eat? about. And I don't think any of us do. So, what if like, you literally, get hungry? That I was just going to say. Uh, <laughs> those are, those <laughs> are going to be my top questions. That right? would actually be a lot of fun. All right. Um, real quick here. Also, the dunk contest. Everyone watched that two weekends ago or I guess one weekend ago. Depending on when you're listening, um, it went to like triple overtime or something. And Aaron Gordon, the hometown hero from Orlando, pulled out Taco Fall, jumped over him. And uh, and I was saying on Twitter, he didn't really jump over him. He was on his neck. That's because I bet on the heat guy. Looking back at it, that was the worst take I've ever had or up there with like <laughs> Fire Dawkins midway through last basketball season. Um what what did you think about that though? That was insane, dude. I thought it was awesome, and Ta- Taco is like a world—he's f- freaking world famous. 
Yeah. He's world famous. He I is. He's play he's played about what twenty minutes so far in the NBA. He's the but... most famous person that hasn't really played he's the most famous NBA player ever that never really played in the NBA. <laughs> Just wait until he starts playing. I'm telling you guys, load up taco stuff. I got a bunch of his basketball cards. I'm a huge sports card collector. I'm telling you, Taco Mania is going to happen. It's already happened, and it's not even because he's playing. When he starts playing, people are going to go crazy. Every day will be Taco Tuesday, and I cannot wait for it. And, you know, every time they mention his name, it's like, oh, UCF, that Duke game, which isn't the worst way to be remembered. So definitely uh, exciting. All right. No, Taco's a great guy. I had the pleasure of meeting him one night, and he's super, super nice, very easygoing. Takes time um, to talk to everyone, and it's like everywhere yeah. he goes, everyone's just staring at him, and that sucks, and he's admitted it, <laughs> but he he deals with it very, very, very graciously. If you've ever been next to him, just like he's so high up, and just imagine jumping over that. I couldn't even jump over some of my own size, even if I pushed off. That's uh, And I know I'm not an NBA player, but still, that's insane. So definitely cool to get, you know, the UCF brand. Every time someone talks about Taco, it's an indirect up on the UCF brand, which is awesome. All right. You got anything else? Yeah. So some other exciting news in the travel department for you and I. Uh, we just booked our flights to Bristol, Connecticut. Which is? For a little trip. The home of ESPN headquarters. I wonder what we could possibly be doing there. So we're not going to say everything at first, but we may or may not be in charge of maybe programming a special day uh, on one of their channels, and we can maybe pick anything we want to play on that channel. Hmm. I anything? Want, I wonder what that could be. No, don't say no dirty crap. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so, I mean, come on, you guys get the hint. It's going to be really cool. Uh, we can't talk about it. We don't even know when it's going to air necessarily, but we, we are going up there in April, and it's going to be really, really cool. absolutely incredible opportunity. And we, um, we get to watch. For both of us. This, so like, and we, for you. So you guys don't for know. For both of us and the nation so, as well. So, Moo and I have been, we've been best friends since like fourth grade. We literally grew up just watching Sports Center like 50 times in a row. We grew up Sports Center fanatics, and... We get a full tour, a full day at ESPN. We get to be inside the Sports Center studio while they record, inside NFL Live, get to meet all the personalities, have lunch at the ESPN cafeteria, and just spend the day on their campus. And then, you know, do the whole other thing we talked about too. So yeah, it's like a dream come true for us, and we're very, very excited about it. Um, and this was all an experience that we won in an auction to benefit the V Foundation for cancer research, which, as you guys know, is ESPN's main philanthropy, and it's a very, very good cause. We actually used all the money we made from the SeatGeek code that you guys have been using. We've been plugging out for the last two years. Uh, promo every code, dime. Promo code so. UCF Problems. Yeah, so every dime we made from that went to this charity auction and uh, quite a bit more. So, I mean, honestly, we would have did it even if it probably wasn't for charity. But it's very cool. It's a win-win for both of us. So thank you guys for letting us do this. And we are going to be so excited to get to share it with you guys when we have uh, UCF Day on ESPN. So We're turning ESPNU into ESPNUCF. 
Yes. For a day. I hope we can use that hashtag. Not sure if we I really hope so. Yeah, and hopefully I'm still gonna do it. Hopefully we get to <laughs> we get to be on camera. Not looking very hopeful for that, but we're we're hoping so. So hey, you know what? It doesn't hurt to ask and uh we'll see what happens. All right, I gotta go. You got anything else? No, that's it. But we'll fill you guys in on all the details at a later date. And I think we really should do like a poll since, you know, it was you guys, the listeners, who got us to be able to have this opportunity. So I think we should do a little poll to see like which one, which games, you know, everybody wants to play and kind of do it that way. Okay. But we'll see. We'll have more details later on. Sounds good, man. I cannot wait. Um, not sure what our next show is. We'll probably do one, I guess, right before... Uh, or as March Madness or the conference tournament is settling in. Have some other guests lined up, some really good ones that we've kind of been chasing around, but hopefully we'll nail them down. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. So thank you guys for listening. Go Knights. Charge on. Domination. Domination.